Welcome to Season 1, Episode 15 of the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B, and that is where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at GC underscore cast. And as always, follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Subscribe, subscribe to the Social Suplex Podcast Network wherever you download your podcast. And please, if you love my velvety tones, listen to me every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock Central on Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast. We review every hero movie in chronological order. And um, we have got... See, by this time, I believe... Uh, we're either looking at Barbed Wire or Mighty Morphin Power Rangers that week, if I'm not mistaken. So that, I would want to uh, watch one of them, but not the other. <laughs> well, I will put it this way. Uh, barbed Wire is so bad. It's still bad. It's not quite good. But uh, you do see some Pamela Anderson nipple in like the first two minutes of the movie. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, when oh. she's doing like a strip dance and everything. Um, it's kind of obscured. It's hard to hard to make out a little. But, you know, it's still there. Um, that's why we watch it. Yeah, yeah, well, that's uh, that's another cast of mine. And by the way, Greg, we're going to have you on one day. But uh, today, folks, we are here to review Season 1, Episode 15 of Lucha Underground, entitled An Eye, or pardon me, Eye for an Eye. And uh, this show started off with Mariachi L. Bronx playing us in. And I noticed during the preamble, like right before they went to the ring, Vampiro kind of like playfully choked Matt Stryker. Did you notice that? No, I might have missed that. <laughs> I, I didn't really it, it notice was, much of them it, at all. It was a minute detail. It's not It's not leading to anything, but it's just something I noticed. Well, sometimes I feel the same way. Sometimes I want to choke Vampiro, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, the very first match of the night. Starting off hot, man. And it's kind of weird that this went on first, because... Um, Given what the main event was, I probably would have had this go on last, to be honest with you. Um, we had Mil Muertes versus Chavo Guerrero. And the first thing to notice that the announcers point out that even the live crowd points out, where's Katrina? Because Mil Muertes was here alone. Yeah, and that plays into the, the story throughout the match as it goes on. Because mm -hmm. you think Mill's going to go in there to just annihilate Chavo, but Chavo starts getting some offense when he starts doing some uh, limb targeting. Yeah, but, <clears throat> and uh, what what turned the tide, Greg? Well, eventually Katrina comes down mm -hmm. to the ring, and, and they, they point out that Mill starts getting more aggressive and more dominating. He starts taking Chavo out with, you know, right hands, and the closer she gets, the stronger he gets, and she, until she takes out the rock, and uh, it mm -hmm. mesmerizes him. She moves it, and he moves along with it. So we're starting to learn, you know, the source of her power over Mill. Um, yeah. One one thing they mentioned too that Mill said, and we and we we both asked this question because Mill was saying Mexico will get its revenge or something, uh, mm -hmm. and we were like, is he really going to defend Mexico? Does he really care? He doesn't care about Mexico. He just wanted to yeah. beat up Blue Demon, and Chavo took that away from him. So now he wants yeah. to take take Chavo out. <laughs> yeah, pretty important. It's one of those like, how dare you, man? Like that that was my kill, and you took it from me, man. Like a guy, like an angry fr uh, friend during a game of COD or something. Mm -hmm. 
But man, yeah, like Chavo. Oh, by the way, Milt wins by DQ when Chavo uses the chair. And the best thing of it is like Mil Muertes is so pissed off. The chair shot doesn't even affect him. No, he no sells it. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then he just starts it. a full on assault. Yeah, he, yeah, he punches he... the chair. He punches it right out of his hands. Yeah. Chavo eats a hell of a flatliner, which those flatliners are always good from Mil Muertes. And I believe the flatliner was actually on the chair. It was. Yeah. And then I noticed, like, he ushered, like, he, like, is basically demanding Katrina come in the ring. And he's, like, demanding her to, to do the lick of death. And uh, she very reluctantly does the lick of death. And then, I don't know, Mill's just freaking angry with her because he, he grabs her by the throat and he's gonna flatline her. And that's when Ray Phoenix shows up and he makes the save, man. Well, and I mean, uh, just to correct you real quick, he, he yeah. she actually doesn't do the kiss look at that. Mm. She refuses. Pardon me, pardon me. And at this point that's in, why you're in here, the series. Right? Yeah. Well and at this point in the series, like me and you know their relationship. But yeah. when you first start, you don't really know who's in charge of this yeah. relationship. She's the goddess of death. And mm-hmm. he seems to be like a monster from hell, but you don't know yeah. who's in charge. And and, it, and you get mixed signals here because she's not, I mean, they're making her seems like almost like the damsel in distress, except for she won't budge. She'll stay, she'll stand up for herself. She refuses. She stands up to him. And then yeah. that's when Phoenix came. Out. Yeah. Phoenix came down, got her out of the ring. And then Katrina pulls, uh, holds up the stone and then, pulls in Ray Phoenix for a kiss and stares daggers through Mil Muertes as they're kissing. Yeah, and, and if someone ever kisses you like that, never looking at you, but looking at someone else, uh, th- that means that you're a means to an end, and, and you're really not much more besides a, a piece yeah. in a game. Uh, yeah, so this may not be uh, good news for Phoenix, that's for sure. Um, but, but yeah, you're absolutely right there, man. Um, but hey, I wouldn't turn down a, a kiss from Katrina. Would you be insane? No. Yeah. Exactly. She's got real uh, succubi energy, you know? Um, <laughs> next up, we see the formerly unknown angry Asian lady, now known as the Black Lotus, breaking into a building. I presume it's the temple, but at this point, we don't know. That leads us right into another vignette with El Jefe Dario Cueto and the crew. And Jefe is very pleased with the crew. And he says, you know, that's why like, I'm putting you in the main event. I'm putting you in there with Pimpy, with Masquerita, and with Sexy Star. Because I want you to not only beat them, I want you to end them. I want you to end their careers. I want you to make sure they never come back to the temple. And uh, one detail I noticed in this is that the crew has basketball jerseys now. So they're sort yes. of like a cholo version. They're like a cholo version of uh, the Varsity Club. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's but, funny because uh, uh, Dario he he specifically says that he they should never have survived this temple, and he mm-hmm. wants them to to eliminate them and take them out of it. Dario and we talked about this before how Dario seems to want to crush things he builds up, mm-hmm. and. I'm I'm putting two and two together, and me and you, we know his backstory, but they haven't told it yet. Yeah. Dario hates weakness, so as soon as he senses blood in the water, is when he tries to destroy you. So, I, and I, and it's my theory that 
he's he's projecting like he's it's reminding him of himself at one point when he was weak and he hates it yeah so anytime he sees weakness he has to destroy it because he doesn't want to be reminded of his own weakness I mean, it, it's it's a wrestling show so did they put that much detail into it is it that much is it is it that deep of a character i don't know but i'm putting two and two together and, I, and i'm i'm getting there to this conclusion I don't know, man. I mean, they had some of that writing crew was non-wrestling. So, I mean, it's oh. possible they did put that much thought into it, man. I mean, I, there's got to be because it makes so much sense. Like the way characters, there's, like, there's no Mark Burnett. Mark Burnett doesn't put his name on just anything. So, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, there's there's so much. And I forgot to mention this, but the Mill versus Chavo is a heel versus heel match. Yeah. Which I like because. After a while, you get tired of the same babyface nonsense where they get distracted by something stupid or they yeah. refuse to do something they should do because of they're conflicted about something stupid. Um, I, I like that because it kind of forces it to be more blow for blow. Like one guy might rake the other guy's eyes. That's fine. He, the other guy's going to rake the other guy's eyes. The other yeah. guy's going to use a chair. The other guy's going to use a chair. I, I prefer heel versus heel matches. And, and you're seeing that a lot in AEW. There's, a, I know we we talk about other promotions too much, but AEW has. I've seen people say like, there's a lot of heels. There's not really a lot of faces. I kind of like that because that means, you know, fit, heels will fight heels. Like we just had Jericho versus MJF. There, there's a little mm-hmm. bit more unpredictability. Yeah, um, it's wrestling. So how much is there? If you've been watching it, you can kind of predict certain things. But it's still, you know, you get tired of just the dumb distractions. Like, oh, a manager distracted them. Oh, they. They don't want to do this because it means something to their honor. It's just yeah. you're getting a fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like these aren't necessarily like sportsmen. I mean, they're here for a fight. You know, they're not here for honor or dignity or whatever. Some of them are. Like some of them are more noble, like Prince Puma. But other than that, I mean, basically, like a lot of these characters, it's just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And like, I like it. these it's wins. <clears throat> These, uh, you know, winning these matches means more money, means a better life. So mm-hmm. it makes sense, you know. Uh, speaking of making sense, uh, we go to the ring and uh, Melissa, the lovely Melissa Santos introduces Son of Havoc. But Ivelisse gets on the mic and, and she says, you know, since you're such a loser, I figure I'll get my hands dirty and show <laughs> you how winning is done. And... Uh, like damn like she is a real bitch man like even self-professed like she is a bitch dude hey man you know what she might be but when someone tells you who they are and it's Mm -hmm. listen because at least they're telling you who they are instead of someone that surprises you yes exactly that's you know she outright says like she is the baddest bitch in the building and at this point i'm kind of inclined to agree uh (laughs) So she'll, she'll, Ivelisse, she'll get that taken away from her, though. Eventually, she gets that title taken away from her from someone yes. who does wrestle in AEW. But I think that's a season or two away. Ooh, uh, uh, I think I know who you're talking about, but you can tell me off the air. I will. Um, okay, <laughs> awesome. Uh, um, her opponent is Angelico. So Angelico recently was it last week or two weeks ago? Angelico beat Son of Havoc after uh, some more miscommunication. From Ivelisse and Son of Havoc. It might have been last week. And in this week it's actually. It was supposed to be Havoc versus Angelico. But she chose to fight his battles for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, that whole like she's a bitch thing, like I'm quoting Vampiro. Like Vampiro is the one that pointed it out. Oh, she says it too. Yeah. But uh Angelico, like I noticed during the match, like Angelico wasn't taking it seriously. Like and he does these faux gentleman spots, like he brings her in for a dip and he like holds back on his punches initially and everything. And at one point, though, Angelico does a move that ends with her landing her the entire like front of her body, you know, face, chest, midsection, you know, front, the knees and everything landing right on the ring. And Matt Stryker, Matt Stryker says that's a twelve thousand dollar fall. Now, what could that be referring to? Oh, damn. I missed that. You missed that, huh? Yeah. Oh man, that's great. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of it to report in the action. I mean, there was this was a lot <laughs> more about story. Um, and Eva Lee actually gets the win after Son of Havoc kicks Angelico in the back, distracting him. And Eva Lee goes on to celebrate and completely ignore and even scold Son of Havoc. Like, see, that's how it's done. That's how it's done. You know, just completely ignoring the fact that, like, oh, you won because your boyfriend helped you. Yeah, and it, it, the whole match is is him is Angelico alluding to like, hey, lose uh, dip, lose your boyfriend, your loser yeah. boyfriend, and get with me, and we'll have sex. And that's basically all it is. Is him trying to <laughs> yeah. like trying to get laid with with uh, East. you know? And you know, there says as much after the match. Yeah, yeah, he says, hey, if you ever want to ditch that zero, you know, I can go one on one of you anytime, and you know. <laughs> That's that's like the whole story of the match, and frankly, I like Havoc, but just I'm 37 years old. I can't feel bad for people that choose to be with shitty people. So the story makes sense, but I yeah. don't feel bad for him. They they want you to feel bad for him a little bit, but you know, just I don't. He chose her. Yeah, <laughs> she's pretty upfront with how she's about. But mm-hmm. uh, did you notice as they were uh, going to the to the they were doing a jump cut to like another thing. He starts putting he starts putting earmuffs on, <laughs> like from old school. That's great. That's great. Earmuffs, babe. That'll save your relationship. Just make it so she can't hear the other guy. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, man. But uh, yeah, I did notice Angelico's indecent proposal after the match was over. <laughs> what a scuzzball, man! Have they ever actually done the indecent proposal gimmick in wrestling? I mean, that was a whole that was a whole last match at like Vengeance 03, man. I mean, I I would uh, love like a whole storyline that's just that, and but in in a wrestling universe, so it has all the wrestling gimmicks, but it's the same plot. So okay, it wasn't okay. It was like it was an indecent proposal in that like Jimmy Noble's like, hey, I want to have sex with Tori Wilson, which like get in line, bud. Um, who was Tori was managing Billy Gunn at the time, and Jamie Wilson was saying all this whilst he was still dating Nydia, and Nydia was cool with it for some reason. And uh, the match at Vengeance was Kidman or not Kidman, uh, Jamie Noble, and uh, <laughs> it was funny because Kidman was married to Tori Wilson at the time and still on the roster, but yeah, Jamie Noble and Billy Gunn. And if Jamie Noble won, he got you know one night with Tori Wilson, and Jamie Noble won. The resolution, as it turns out, was like a uh, cut to the next Thursday on SmackDown. Cut to Tori Wilson 
and Jamie Noble in a hotel. And then all of a sudden, Billy Gunn and Nydia show up, and it's alluded to that they have a foursome. That's interesting. That went a different direction than I expected. But I'm glad yeah. Billy. Um, I'm glad he, uh, Jamie Noble, was able to. Uh, I keep thinking he's. I, I wanted to say uh, uh, Billy Kidman. So I'm. I get. I'm getting kind of confused. But we're Freudian slipping because of Billy Kidman's relationship with Tori. But yeah. Yeah, I was about to say I'm glad he was finally able to consummate his relationship with his wife as opposed to uh, Rockstar Spud. <laughs> oh my gosh. But that's a different. That's a whole different wrestler. I mean, it sounds oh, like they didn't go as Dude, far I, as I wanted. Oh but, man! Oh yeah. man! R- Renee Michelle showed up on Impact recently, and uh, I haven't been watching, but I may have to check the show out. Um, <laughs> everything else aside, the next match on the show was the debuting Tejano against Superfly. And uh, one thing I noticed in the in the pre-match, Tejano is like a whole cowboy. Like he comes out wearing a cowboy hat, chaps, chaps, and a bull rope. Yeah, he looks like a male stripper. He does. That's immediately what I noticed. Like anytime I see someone in chaps, I'm like, yeah, those don't have an ass on them. So <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> that's a weird choice. Even even for 2014, it was still kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Tejano seems like he's from a different older generation just because of his, yeah. his wrestling style yeah and his attire because yeah. he's a whole ass guy well, i think i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure he like lifted the gimmick from his dad if i'm not mistaken that makes sense then so yeah that makes more sense um this was a squash i noticed that um the finish get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Was so had Superfly in fireman's carry position, then he did like the, like the neck break onto his knee, and it was followed by another neck breaker. So his finish was a neck breaker into a neck breaker. Yeah, it wasn't the most coolest finisher, but he he was using devastating moves technically. So yeah. I I know I should complain because I, I I like that kind of stuff where you know it's different or it, it targets a body part or it makes sense why it would hurt. Uh, but he really yeah. did just kind of like break his neck twice <laughs> and then yeah. boom. Uh, so it's kind of cool when you talk about it, but it it wasn't a very overwhelmingly great, great match. But it'd be like if Shawn Michaels' finisher was a super kick and then a sweet chin music. It's the same move. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think about it like that. Uh, I mean, if there was nothing wrong with the match. Like, if you were to give it a star rating, I'd give it a three flat. I guess, yeah. It's nothing. I can't. It, go, it's a squ- I don't match. usually. I don't usually rate squashes. So if I rated it, I'd say a three. But yeah. Yeah, and, and that would be, um, that would be fine because it is a squash match. I mean, I think the only thing. Superfly got was a headlock and yeah. he switched his leg positions to kind of like get more leverage and pressure on it. But that was after that, that was it. it was just Tejano. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of, you know, Luton does this right, man. Like when they bring in debutantes, they typically like will show out. Like the only exception was King Cuerno, but he's doing well for himself now. So 
worth. But after the match, the AAA Mega Champion, Alberto El Patron, shows up atop the stairs. And I noticed, like, when Tejano sees him, like, he's calling for him. He's like, come on, come on. Like, Joker in Dark Knight, he's like, hit me, hit me. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> when AEP gets down uh, from the stairs and kind of runs toward the ring, Tejano powders, powders right after, right after. Smart man. Did you did you notice that like, or did you get the impression that just based on the size of everyone else, when Patron and and Tejano are brawling, it's like it it really does look like two huge dudes just yeah beating the shit like and and they're just throwing punches. It looked like it actually looked like a brawl. And sometimes yeah. wrestling fails at making a brawl look like a brawl. It's it's one of those like it just it sticks out, man. Because again, there's a lot of small guys in the show, and these guys are not. How tall is Patron? Because he looked huge. Uh, Patron, he's at least a sixer, man. He's got to be like, I don't know. I want to say he's at least six two, but could he be six four? Uh, six five. Oh wow, yeah, because he's he's tall. Because he was taller than Tejano, and Tejano is taller yeah. than most of the crowd and other wrestlers. Yeah. Now that 6'5 may be a gimmick 6'5 and he may be like a shoot 6'3, but whatever. Because I think Tejano is 6'4. Okay. Gotcha. I don't hold me to gotcha. that because I'm not a Tejano. Expert. I won't. <laughs> but I did notice that. <laughs> I did notice that when security comes in and tries to clear everyone out and Tejano powders and he's gone, Alberto grabs the bull rope and like starts swinging it around to clear them out. I thought that was nice. Get them out of there. You don't need them. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> Next up, we had El Jefe and Brian Cage in the back. In his office, I believe. Cage shows up. He's like, come on. Like, I got rid of Puma. I got rid of Conan. I want to be champion. Make me champion. And Jefe's like, you know, I can't really do that. But what I can do is give you a match next week with Prince Puma. It won't be for the title, but if you win, you will get another title shot. So we've got Prince Puma in, I believe, the first ever non-title match for the Lucha Underground champion against Brian Cage. And if Cage should win, he will get a title shot. Chavo, uh, I believe this right after this, Chavo walks in, right? Yes. Chavo says, I quit. I'm done. Tell Mexico they win. <laughs> Yeah, I, that, I mean, I wasn't to, complaining. Oh, sorry. No, me either. Me either. I will certainly not miss Chavo. And uh, spoiler alert, I just wish he would have stayed gone longer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we cut to the Black Lotus face-to-face uh, -face with uh, Matanza, who we cannot see. We, we don't know what Matanza looks like, but uh, she, she's standing there face-to-face -face with him. And, you know, Black Lotus says, ever since I was a little girl, all I ever wanted to do was kill the man who killed my parents with my bare hands. So Matanza killed Black Lotus' parents? Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I remember that was the story, yeah. Like, that guy actually is like a monster. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to cut to the main event now, which is a Triple threat, or pardon me, a six-man, or pardon me, a trios match, and there is no disqualification, so no need to tag. We had the crew of Cortez Castro, Bale, 
and Mr. Mr. Cisco against Sexy Star, Pimpinella Escarlata, and uh, Masquerita Sagrada. My one regret is that the uh, Technicos came out together, so they came out to Sexy Star's music, and I didn't get to hear that epic stock music that Masquerita uses, you know? Do you... Uh, I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm not jumping too far ahead, but do you know... Because they, they get into the match. Do you know what took out Pimpinella? I missed it. Uh, well, okay. So the basic plotline of the match is here, real quick. Like, the crew is just dominating. And they even they take out Masquerita and they take out Pimpy to, to the point where it's a three-on-one. But I don't remember what exactly took out um, Pimpy. I mean, there was Pimpy goes out early, and I missed it. And I, I, I had already rewound multiple times for other segments in this show, but I guess it may that. have been the chokehold and the kendo stick shots, man. Like they may have just called it right then. I, I missed that part and that that entire se- uh, segment. I missed <laughs> somehow, but I, I, I remember watching uh, Masquerita. He did a springboard diving headbutt to one of the crew. Which is like mm-hmm. now that we know how much we know about CTE and all that, it's yeah. it's really freaking cool, but it's also really freaking stupid to do a yeah. diving headbutt. Like I hate, I kind of hate when wrestlers do headbutts now because of Okada. Well, because now they know. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with uh, Shibata. Like we don't want that to happen, and I I don't like some of the wrestlers. You know, wrestlers are great at wrestling, but sometimes. Like you'll see them doing other martial arts, and and you know that that's not really what that looks like, or it's not really a good job. I I I don't want a wrestler doing a headbutt that doesn't know what they're doing and actually <laughs> scrambling their brain. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, but yeah, like it gets to the point. Oh, by the way, speaking of head trauma, uh, Masquerita Sagrada gets taken out with a curb stomp on a chair. Yes, that was freaking awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean that's this. That's probably like the the highlight of the match right there, as as uh, sadistic as it is. Because I I didn't remember the match, so I didn't know if they would go through it, go all the way through it uh, without something else interrupting, and they went all the way with it because it it, it yeah. they put it right on that that seal in the middle of the ring, and he got him up and he just curb stomped him right into that chair. Yep, and that took out Masquerita. So. No more Masquerita tonight. Uh, so eventually it's it's three on one. And Sexy, you know, this has been the story of her character the entire season. No matter what the odds are, she's going to fight valiantly. She kind of reminds me of, you've seen Endgame, or pardon me, Infinity War, I would assume, right? Yeah. So when the odds are against Cap and he's he's squaring off with freaking Thanos and he's doing it by himself... He didn't stop. He didn't think about quitting for a second, man. Even when he was in a no-win situation, he did not stop. It was wild. That's kind of the vibes I get to a lesser extent. She's not as epic as Steve Rogers was, but, you know, it's kind of the vibe I get from her. I just got that she was stupid. <laughs> That's uh, That, too. She's also... Uh, She's, she will also be forever loved by wrestling fans. She definitely never does anything uncouth in the wrestling she ring. She does something so pretty to, stupid. She she does not. She never does anything stupid. What are you talking about? I'm crazy. Um, 
So eventually it gets to a point where, oh, by the way, Cisco nearly hits a top rope powerbomb, but it gets countered into a Rana for two for Sexy Star. So Sexy Star nearly wins the match, even by herself. The three wolves are surrounding Sexy Star when Big Rick shows up. Big Rick shows up. Sexy eventually pins Bale, Bale to win. There were two things I noticed, though, with the finish. One, Bale's shoulders were up. Did you notice that? I, I think I remember it being kind of a fast count, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh may have been a Boyle Heights screw job in, in effect there. Uh, and also, Big Rick, clean-shaven, no beard. He looks kind of weird with no beard. I agree. I agree. And this is why I thought they weren't going to do the curb stomp, because I, I knew Big Rick was going to interrupt. But he well, was until the very like, end. Even the, the title of the show was an eye for an eye. Some, yeah, like, you know okay, it was coming. Like, yeah, he waited a long time. If he and it's kind of like a really fast face turn for him. Like too much. Like yeah. it's really fast. Like he yeah. went from heel to face really fast. And if it weren't for the fact that they were trying to build sexy up as like a you know never give up you know never surrender type of hero, yeah, uh, I would say that he's not much of a face because he took as long as it takes the Nightmare Family to come out and save the day. <laughs> See, that's why the Nightmare Family has uh, Austin, uh, King Ass and Prince Ass in the group, because they will make that quick save when they have to. Does that make Cult Duke Ass? Hey, oh. Uh, maybe. I forgot, yeah. Billy Gunn has two sons in wrestling. That's wild. They kind of just threw it at me. That one, I, I was watching YouTube and I saw the Gun Club versus three people. I was like, "Oh, a handicap!" And they're like, "Oh, it's a son cult." I'm like, "Wait, he has two? <laughs> they're both wrestlers." That's great, man. That's great. Uh, but yeah, shoulder was up, so screw job there. That sucks. Uh, Big Rick, clean shaven. That looks weird. The only time he ever other looked more weird was in 2012 in WWE. He started grow out his hair, but it didn't grow in all the way because. I guess he's old. So he looked really weird, like uh, half a head of hair and a beard. That is weird. It is. I agree. But, folks, we've uh, we've kept you long enough, I think. And uh, we are going to get out of here eventually. And I don't know when this is going to happen. But supposedly there's going to be a quiz time invitational that I will be involved in. And I don't know when that's going to drop. I don't even know when we're going to record it. I do look forward to it. I look forward to winning this potential mini tournament and becoming the new quiz time champion. So we'll see. And that would, Greg, I think you would agree. I think that would prove that we are indeed the true ace of podcasts. Well, we do have to do one thing before we can be the ace of podcasts. What's that? We have to rate the show. Oh, we do. Don't we? I tried to, I tried to sign us off prematurely. I knew I was forgetting something. Uh, yeah, this was not a good episode. I think card placement really hurt it. Uh, the matches in general just weren't that good, man. Like, I think the best one was probably the opener. And even that was kind of semi-squash. And, like, you had a weird Chavo Guerrero domination run against Mil Muertes, of all people. Even though it was story-driven. Um, and for that reason, I'm gonna go. And this is the lowest rating I've given the show. Probably the lowest rating I will give it, uh, later on down the road, too. Um... I'm going to go five and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was not good. 
See, I was going to go 6.5 because the story isn't bad. Yeah. It's just, it would be, it wouldn't be a show you bring someone in to get them hooked on Lucha Underground. No. It's something you'd watch after you're hooked in sequ- in, in a se- uh, sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to give it that low of a rating, but the thing is, there is, I mean, the, the Angelico Ivelisse match was just, you know, fuck shit. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it, but you, I enjoy fuck shit. I, I liked Orange Cassidy before he was, you know. My favorite match was him and uh, him and uh, not Trent, the other one, uh, Chuck Taylor versus Dick Justice and Colt Cabana, where it ends where a subpoena <laughs> is given to Colt Cabana and he gets rolled up. Uh, so that's I, amazing. I it. It's a great match. It's it's fucking fantastic. What's but, that from? I don't know promotion. I'll find the video and I'll send it to you. It's, you can find it on Google. Um, okay. It's like the second Dick Justice Orange Cassidy match I'd seen because <laughs> uh, I went down a rabbit hole. But it's the story's there. It's just um, not all the stories are as interesting. I, I'm not yeah. interested in Sexy Star. I don't care about Chavo. I care about Phoenix and Mil Mortes, and I know where that's going is going to be way better than what we got here. I don't care about Tejano. Um, there's it's this it's not a filler episode, but it's like one of those necessary episodes. It's a setup episode. It's setting up everything, but it's all set up. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna give it a six point five. Okay. Well, I uh, I do respect your opinion, although I disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, again, folks, just remember. That we are and we will forever be the true ace of podcasts. Wouldn't you agree? Of course. Absolutely. Folks, that's our show. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And have a great morning, noon, or night. Goodbye. Folks, we are not alone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. There are plenty of other great shows on here. None as great as ours, of course. But we have... On this lineup of bivy of great shows, including 8-Bit Suplex, Suplex, hosted by Sandy Gaviria and Josh McLaughlin, even though he hates me for some reason. We also have All Things Elite, hosted by Austin S. and my boy, my fellow Oki, Floyd Johnson Jr. Again, that's All Things Elite. That covers AEW, and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator, and I believe... Uh, once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken, right, Greg? I was on the first one. We've also got Grown Men Watch This Shit. Again, that's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryant. Two great guys, in my opinion. Another show, uh, New Japan Centric, Keeping It Strong Style, hosted by Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith. A couple of great guys, in my opinion. Lo- loads of great people on this network, if you, if you notice the theme. Also, of course, we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd every Sunday on the network. We've also got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Last but not least, I love those guys. They're my homies from Scotland. Ricky, you are one handsome devil, and you guys put on a great podcast. And always remember to listen to the Grave Consequences podcast, or there will be Grave Consequences.